The following podcast is brought to you in association with Let Us Talk Mental Health, the football team raising money for mental health charity Mind. You can follow them on Twitter at LetUsTalk underscore MH and also brought to you in association with the Proper Blokes Club, Walking and Talking, Breaking the Stigma Surrounding Men's Mental Health. For more information, go to www.thepropablokesclub.co.uk. Welcome to Football Funders on the 8th of September 2022. We will start with some sad news today. We lost the Queen Elizabeth II. Um, so our thoughts go out to Her Majesty and her family. Uh, hello, Ryan. How are you today? I'm good, Dan. Thank you. Um, it's been a bit of a surprise. The news came rather suddenly that she was declared quite ill this morning and she sadly passed away. So my condolences to her family and to the new king. May she rest in peace. She was a, honestly, she was a pillar of strength, of of dignity, of class. I'm not much for the royal family, but I can't praise the woman high enough. So may she rest in peace, Your Majesty. Yeah, and of course, for me especially, I think people, a lot of people say the same. Her speech during COVID was uplifting at a time when it when it was hard. And that's brought me quite emotional all of a sudden. <laughs> so, um We'll do what she would have wanted us to do and we'll move on to going about our normal business and we'll talk about some football because, yes, the news has been overshadowed, but there, there was quite a bit of football news going on today. So we'll start with Chelsea have sacked Thomas Tuchel since we've been away. So we'll start with that, Ryan. What, what's your views on Thomas Tuchel's sacking? I'm surprised he's been fired, but I'm also not surprised he's been fired. Uh, I will apologise for my voice in advance. I'm recovering from a very nasty cold I didn't think he deserved to be fired, but looking at the way the new regime at Chelsea have gone about their business, I think it was only a matter of time before he was going to be fired because they have literally removed anyone and everybody that was ever associated with Roman Abramovich. Peter Cech, who lost his job as technical director, the head of transfer negotiations, Marion... I'm afraid, of, I think it's Marion something or other. I can't pronounce her name. Mariana Rapakosvich? I know you're about, yeah. a much better job uh, than me. There you go. Those are just the big ones that we've heard of. So it doesn't surprise me that he's gone in that respect. I don't think he should have gone. I think they've made quite a big error. But looking at it objectively, I also think there was something underlying as well. Thomas Tuchel didn't, was, has not been happy this season with transfer policy, his behaviour on the pitch side we saw with Antonio Conte was and the week after. borderline unprofessional. His press conferences have been spiky, to say the least. So overall, I'm not surprised. I think it's a mistake. I think they should have supported him, given him who they want. I think the new owner needs to take a lot of responsibility because the owners knew what was coming this summer. They knew that they were losing pretty much their whole defence in one regard or another. And it took them well beyond pre-season to fill those holes in. They got Koulibaly mm. in, they got Fafana in. They massively overpaid for Fafana and Cucurella, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the new owner's coming in thinking he's playing football manager and he's going to control as much as he possibly can. 
I'm not sure that's going to work for too long, but I do think the owner has to take the vast majority of the blame or responsibility for what has gone wrong with Chelsea so far this season. I thought that Thomas took the end of Thomas Ducal happened in January. Chelsea's form dropped around Christmas. They never really recovered. They had enough points to kind of get Champions League football, but there was a point where they were looking over their shoulder at the Tottenham and Arsenal, and they scraped over the line on the basis that Arsenal and Man United were shit. The Lukaku thing, although it was, as we covered on the show, like Lukaku was a twat, we discovered that. But I think Tuchel came out of that in a strange light. Not like a bad light, but just it was a bit strange from that moment on. Things didn't sit, quite sit right for whatever reason. Whether he didn't want Lukaku there in the first place, we don't really know. And I think since then, there's been a slow decline. Yeah, was it too early? Possibly. Listen, losing to Dynamo was the end, but obviously there was rumours that it was going to happen regardless. I was not... I, don't, I mean, people will disagree. You might even disagree. I wasn't completely shocked that they lost in Dynamo. I think an away game in Croatia is not particularly friendly. You should still win because of the quality, but it's one of those games which is could throw up a big result. We've seen it in the Champions League. Madrid, uh, Barca have all lost big games. in. I think Real Madrid lost to Ludogrets last year or someone like that. Oh, um, Sherry of Moldova. Yeah. So, you know, um, these kind of results and Dynamo are a much better side than Sherry. Yes. So, the result wasn't shocking. The performance wasn't even bad. Like, Chelsea played well. They just couldn't hit a barn door with a banjo, which is something that we covered in the summer. You know, we talked quite a lot, didn't we, about Chelsea to get a striker. I don't think we really covered Aubameyang's move, but I don't think that answers the questions that they have. No, I don't think there's any answers for Chelsea, to be honest. I think it is a case of what the new owner says goes. And Chelsea, that's all you get. Chelsea have always won things when they've got a focal striker who, who does the job. And, and obviously every club is the same, more or less, apart from Man City last year, really. Chelsea, two spells of dominance as they had Drogba and Diego Costa. Now, say what you want about Diego Costa. Scored goals. Yep. Did the dirty work, did the job. Drogba was a, my, one of my favourite Premier League players of all time. So, they always had that man. And I looked, I look at Chelsea's squad now and you've got the nice pieces like Sterling and Havertz and I was going to say Pulisic, but we won't count that one. Reese James and even Loftus-Cheek, they're all good. You know how they play, chill well. You don't have a striker, you don't have that final piece. That is so crucial. Look at Arsenal, for instance. I don't think Arsenal are going to win the league. But you can tell the difference now they've got Jesus up front. You can see the difference because they've got someone leading the line. Chelsea's leading the line with Havertz, or I think Sterling did it at one point. Like As much as I'm someone, compared to many people who don't rate Sterling, I really like Raheem Sterling, but I don't think he can lead a line, especially the way that Chelsea play. I still think they miss that Diego Costa form. Who is back in the Premier League, by the way? Yes, he's just turned up at Wolves after having his uh, appeal for a work permit accepted. So, um, we'll go on to talk about who Chelsea have brought in. It seemed when it was first announced that Chelsea were, according to some sources, quite close to bringing in Pep. Pep? Not Pep. Pochettino. It'd be great if they brought in Pep. That'd have been fun. Uh, instead, they've gone and done something that I never thought we'd actually see from a top side. 
and they brought in an English manager, and Graham Potter now manages a top four side. I quite like the appointment from Chelsea's side of things. I don't know if he's going to be given the leeway that he got at Brighton. I actually had Graham Potter down as the one to replace Southgate, so that's not going to happen. Well, it might do, because they might be gone by Christmas. What do you think, Ryan? That's the problem. He's going to get 18 months. That's the way Chelsea roll. I know there's new management come in. He's signed five and... years. Well, this is the thing. I think the reason that they've done Pay that off. is because I think they brought him in not to be a manager in the old sense of the word, but to be a head coach and train whatever he is given. Yeah, I just think Chelsea, no matter who they brought in, it was the never-ending merry-go-round that is Chelsea Football Club. I'm excited to see what Graham Potter can do, but... As you said, like he's going to be there 18 months and they'll move him on as soon as they see any sign of dodginess. Well, the only the only counter-argument to that is obviously there's new owners, a new board and a new structure well, they, in place. They buggered Tuchel off at speed. <laughs> but, the, yes, that's the other thing is they're fucking off people as fast as they want. So if the owner turns on Graham Potter, then um, he's going to be out just as quickly as he came in. I mean, he was in within 48 hours. So that tells you how quickly that they're going to do their deal. I mean, I'd heard from the sources that I follow that it was going to be Pochettino within 48 hours. They got the 48-hour part right. They just got the manager wrong. I'd like to see him do well, Graham Potter. Again, you're at Chelsea. It's never ending. It's nice to see someone giving a young British manager a chance. That's what I will say. He's done well for Brighton. Uh, At what, what point, I made this joke earlier, so in January, how much is Danny Welbeck signing for Chelsea? What's the price tag? <laughs> I don't think he will, to be honest. I said I think, seven and a half. They need I a striker. Think, they need they need him. Well, they've got a Bami Yang well now. For him. Yeah, but um, Welbeck can hold the baller. There are a few players involved in this scenario that I would be quite annoyed with. If I was them, sorry, not annoyed with them. I would be annoyed if I was them. Which would one be Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who had a fantastic relationship with Thomas Tuchel only to come in on deadline day to find his manager go within a couple of days. And the other one is Billy Gilmore, who signed for Brighton from Chelsea. And now the manager who has signed him has left Brighton to go to his old club, Chelsea. So if I'm Billy Gilmore, I'm probably a bit peed. But in defence of Brighton, they have a very meticulous way of scouting and they have a specific idea of what they're doing. And so I think Billy Gilmore would have been signed whether Graham Potter would have been there or not because he fits their ideology and their style of play. So I just thought I'd have a look at Brighton's managerial odds. The favourite right now is Angie Postacoglu. Oh, the Celtic. The Celtic manager. All right. He is 6-1. to Then 8-1 to is... Steve Cooper, no, four to one, Steve Cooper. Eight to one, Nathan Jones, who, if people don't know, is the Luton manager, has links to Brighton, was at Brighton for a long, long time. So that one wouldn't particularly surprise. And then 12 to one, this is an interesting one, Brendan Rogers. Why? What has he possibly done to deserve just, just trying to get rid of somewhere Lester. else? And then the, the, uh, the, the other one is 12 to one, Sean Dyche. Now, I don't think Brighton will go for him because of his style. No, absolutely. I think, you know, I think they're more likely to go for... Uh, Andrew Postacoglu has made turn Celtic into 
like no one in Scotland can touch them. Um, <laughs> Rangers, all I will they say, plowed Rangers twice. All I will say is while he has done a very good job and while he has had success, Rangers have also severely shit the bed under Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. They are not playing well. They've lost a couple of key players as well. There seems yeah, to be a, he turned them over last year as well. But there seems to be a fundamental lack of discipline under Giovanni Van Bronckhorst at the moment. Joe Rebo left. I think that's a big loss for Rangers. I think he was a far better player than a lot of people give credit. And the situation Agreed. around Alfredo Morelos, we always knew he had a temperament and he would be a liability in terms of a red card. But apparently he's turned up this season massively unfit, uh, massively overweight. So completely unprofessional by all accounts. And that's led to a lack of goals up front for Rangers because he was such a curious well, they, character. They still scored goals. They um, have the but quite a lot of goals. They're also getting spanked. They can't defend. But they couldn't defend. This is the thing, that even under Gerrard, like when they won the league, they couldn't defend. They just outscored teams because they had yes. Morelos and Kent and Arebo was so big in that yes, team. But that's the biggest problem. They're two, arguably, their two most important goal scorers in Arebo from midfield and Morelos up front. They've no longer got those two options. So they. I mean, their defence is aging. Yeah, they've tried to. How old is McGregor now? 37 in goal? He's something 30, like 37. that. Yeah. James Tavernier is 31. Barisic, I think, is closing in on 30. Goldson, and who plays next to Goldson nowadays? Jamie Sands, but he's awful. Before it was... Who was the Leon Balligan, who, again, he was old, but he did a really good job for them. And he's been also been released. Um, Calvin Batty. Basically, Batty, whatever you pronounce it. Obviously, yeah, he went to Ajax as well. Their left-back went, who was rip-roaring successful uh, for Steven Gerrard. He was a complete unknown who came Australian out of nowhere. Bugger all. Yeah. From Leicester. Came out of absolute nowhere and became a star and very quickly left. Uh, he's a tank. Yeah, he is. He's amazing. He's, he's, he's huge. Very good player. Very, very good player. I was surprised that he moved so quickly, actually, and that no one from the Premier League to. came calling for him. Surprised. To be fair. And they, did they pay 15, 30 mil for him in the end? Something like that, yeah. And Rangers didn't really reinvest it. So no, it kind of falls back yeah. on them, doesn't it? Rangers are a shit show at the moment, whether people want to admit it or not. It's not good. I have no idea how we got to Rangers. But we'll no move idea. on to our next topic, which is obviously Liverpool. Ryan, you said you wanted to speak about Liverpool. So I'll let you set this one up. Well, they've fallen off the face of the earth, really, haven't they? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm a bit astounded by some Liverpool fans because they're calling for the owners out and they're calling for Klopp to be sacked. And well, I'm like, what planet are you on? Liverpool have set an incredible pace over the last three, four years. Had it not been for Manchester City, they would have won the Premier League, what, three out of the last four years? There's a well those years, they were heavy hit by injuries. Heavy, heavy hit by injuries. And they've formed an, a squad of astounding players in the likes of Virgil van Dijk, who's obviously not in good form at the moment. Salah, who's a bit off of his game, he's not performing at a high level. But at the end of the day, no team can run that hot forever. They won a Champions League, they won a Premier League for the first time ever. I think there was a point difference between them and City in 
two out of the last four seasons or yeah, something. I think they got like, didn't they get like 98 points, didn't win the league? Yeah. It's 97, something like that. It's been nice. astounding. And now Jurgen Klopp is changing the dynamic of the side. Yeah, both teams, I've, yeah. Well, no, it's not only that, but both teams, I've noticed, both Manchester City and Liverpool seem to think that this summer that the only way that they could break away from the other one without it being a close race was to get an out-and-out number nine in, which neither team played with. If you looked at Liverpool the last two years, it was Firmino or Jota who are both link players. They're not target men. They're not out-and-out strikers. And Manchester City, it was the same. It was... Who are you going to play up front as a false nine this week? One minute it was Sterling, then it was Kevin Bruyne. Foden had a go up there. Jesus had a go up there. So they both went out and spent absolute fortunes on strikers. Arguably, City got better at the deal, but Liverpool have obviously that... signed a hundred million pounds central striker. Yeah, have um, you seen? I think it might have been you that sent it to me. Actually, the video of Trent. You sent it to me. Um, on it, was Twitter me it was me sending it to you of him not defending. I mean, listen, Gomez is equally at fault because he switches off when the he follows the man wide. He effectively does Trent's job. Then when the ball comes inside, Gomez turns off. So it's also Gomez's fault. But Trent is just stood out of position, yeah. watching the game. I don't think he's even actually out of position. If you just watch it, he just literally stops. And it was arguably, if I remember rightly, wasn't it a Fulham ex-Fulham player who's now playing for Napoli? It's got like four names, something Anguissa. Uh, yeah, Frank Anguissa. He just literally, Trent followed him, him while the ball went back out the box and then just stood there and then watched Anguissa run straight past him and slap the ball in the back of the net. So yeah. Both Gomez and Trent. I think but, Gomez engaged him at first and then second time just watched. Oh, was it? I thought it was Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, well, they were both there. But uh, a lot of people are arguing that it's actually uh, Liverpool's midfield that's the problem. I, I, actually I mean, their midfield it's, is grim. It is. But it's and the, to the be honest, fall. Well, no, I, I actually think it's a mixture of a lot of things. I think the chemistry up front has changed because obviously Mane's gone and they've brought in a completely different style of player. They've brought in, as we've joked before, a, an Andy Carroll type player. So that's changed the dynamic up front. The midfield has massive injuries at the moment and you're relying on a 37-year-old James Milner who, amazing as he has been throughout his career, Mr. Consistency, Mr. Never Let You Down, he's 37 years old. He can barely run anymore despite his best efforts. So you're not going to be able to rely on a midfield of Henderson, who's 34, 35, James Milner, who's 37, and Fabinho, who's not the most mobile. I know well, like uh, Henderson's now injured and they put Harvey Elliott in instead, but he's a kid with no experience. For instance, like with yesterday's team, they didn't play Nunes. They played a front three that should be quite used to playing. Well, yeah, quite used to playing together. I think they really missed Yotta to be that kind of busy boy body. He's the link player. Where, like, yeah. Because Diaz and Salah, I think, are very similar. Whereas Mane and Jota were the support men that did things well. I don't personally get the hype for Thiago when he's fit. He's a baller, there's fit. no doubt. He is a baller. Never fit. Um, he's, no, but he I doesn't think, stay fit. But I think the back four, Trent needs to be dropped. But then the problem is they've not really got anyone to replace him. Do you, do you play Calvin Ramsey out there? 
possibly. Gomez has played crap at centre back, so you don't really even want to put him out of position. I think, give some, uh... I think that's the key position that people are missing is Liverpool's success came with Matip and Van Dijk as yeah, the centre half. Is, is back now though. So. Yeah. That is their key that was always their key pairing for me because it allowed everybody else to go and do what you think. You had that little triangle of Fabinho in front of Matip and Van Dijk, and that allowed the fullbacks to go forwards. And sorry, I'm gonna. I've said this uh, as a wind up on Facebook, but it, I do genuinely think it's true. Is that uh, Gomez is just not as good as people thought he was gonna be. Uh, he's never he's been not. able. To, I don't think he's developed the way people thought he was gonna be able to develop. No, he had too many injuries. injuries. As I said to you, joking with you, he's Liverpool's answer to Phil Jones without the talent for making faces. I still think he's, he should have gone in some, that, rather than signing that new deal. Yeah, I agree. I expected him to turn up at Aston Villa. I honestly did. But I think that if if they put Matip back in there, then um, I think they've got a, a chance to solidify things again. Just get that partnership if, back in and then you can work if the I'm, rest out. If I'm Klopp this weekend, I'm playing Calvin Ramsey at right back because he even if he's fresh, he can't do worse than Trent has. Matip's back with Van Dijk and play to me, Cass, and just give Robertson and Trent some time. <laughs> just just relax. Like they've played basically four years of football straight. They're having a bit of a, a rough term for the first time probably. in. Well, I mean, I have I've had many conversations with people about Trent. I think we have on this podcast, you know, we said a lot about how what we thought about Trent. I saw someone the other day was telling me about Oh, but Trent is your modern day right back, and so that's fine. I said for a team like Liverpool, but when they're under pressure, like they were yesterday, he can't hack it. I think for me, if if I'm Jurgen Klopp right now, I'm putting Joe Gomez in at right back. I'm bringing Matic back into the centre just to solidify things. Trent is a modern day fullback, as people keep saying, but I think as we discussed on previous week's podcast. The attacking fullback, I think, has been sus this year. People have finally figured out to attack the spaces that are left behind immediately as soon as the Liverpool or Manchester City lose the ball. But how has it only just been realised? I've been I, saying it for years. Yeah, but I think it's a case of more a case of fear. You know, it's just like we just can't figure out a way to get from defensive mode to attacking mode. Whereas but now they're the like putting people out there. Yeah, I mean, if we just look at the way Palace have played Man City in Liverpool years, they've pretty much always got points. Yeah, and if you look against at the... Against because they attack. And if you look at the strength of their team, it's largely from attacking players that play in wide areas. So, like, yeah, Saha, to... Alise... Also... They put Jordan Ayew out, out on the right against Palace, and I know he's awful against Palace, against Man City, but because of the gaps they left for him, he was able to just sit there and yeah, piss about, and it worked. But Palace had been doing this for years. It's not a Patrick Vieira thing. Roy Hodgson was the same. He could go out to City and Liverpool and get points. But, I mean, do you think Klopp should be fired? No. Not a chance. Uh, but not... I did find it interesting, that stat, that he lasted seven years at Dortmund and seven years at Mines, and this is his seventh year at Liverpool. Yeah, I was going to say, Pete did bring that one up to us in the group chat. He's obviously not with us tonight because he's working. But there, yeah, well, there is I mean, that Queen died. So. Yeah, no, I know. But Busy I mean, for radio. <laughs> yeah, it's it is the seven year itch 
as he referred yeah. to it. I'm not sure. I, I just think they're going for a transition period. And he's, I think he's tried to counteract Manchester City and sign a goal scorer to get them over that line to get that extra point that would take them or that extra three points that would get them above City. And I just think it's teething problems and a learning curve. And I think Liverpool would be mad to sack him. I know mm. this still sounds very weird coming from a Manchester United fan. But I mean, I've even seen Liverpool fans having a go at the owners for trying to break even in the transfer market to make sure that the club turns a profit. And I just find it a bit bizarre considering they've just spent £100 million on a striker. How's that trying to break even? I'm sure they're not making £100 million in transfers every year. Can't even think if they've sold anyone this year, have they? Apart from Mane, who went for a bargain. It was like 30 million quid or something, which was ridiculous. Money. Sure. They, I think they do need to sort out that midfield because Oxley Chamberlain, as much as I love Oxley Chamberlain, never oh, stays fit. Both him and Naby Keita left out of the squads, so it won't see either of them anyway. And Naby Keita must have a serious injury then. No, um, they're, just, they're trying to get rid of him, aren't they? They want him gone. He turned okay. down a deal. Okay. But they've got a lot of injuries in that midfield. And as I said, Henderson, Milner, I know you and Pete disagree with me about Henderson's time being over for England, but he's 34, 35 now. He's well past his... No, he's not. Who? Jordan Henderson's not 34, 35. Yes, he is. Surely. No, he's not. I need to Google this. 32. No way. Yeah. He ain't that old. Milner's that old. Milner's Milner's 37. 37. But uh, yeah, I'm googling this now because I'm, I'm convinced sure he's 32. I'm sure, I'm sure. I'm sure he turned 32 over the summer. Oh my god, you're right. Okay, I'm gonna have to get off Jordan Henderson's back a bit then. Sorry, I thought he was 34. <laughs> I've always thought he was a good player, but I thought he was 34 and coming well past his peak. But he's 32, no, no. so I yeah, yeah, yeah. I withdraw previous point. statement about Jordan Henderson. I've gone opposite on Jordan Henderson. I used to be in the uh, the against Jordan Henderson camp. And then I started to look a bit more into detail and thought, actually, you know what? He's, he's good. <laughs> so, yeah, I withdraw that about Jordan Henderson. But by the same token, Cater's not signed a new deal, so they're not going to play him. There's several there that are injury-prone. They've got and a couple of good... And bought our talk. Yeah, they've got him on loan. And they've got a couple of good youngsters in Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott. I'm still not convinced Harvey Elliott's a central midfielder, though. I mean, he's playing up front. Um, He was really good for Blackburn playing off the wing, I think. Yeah, I I would put him as an inside forward up front to. Sure, Blackburn. To be uh, an alternative to Diaz or. Salah, because Salah's not exactly setting the world on fire at the moment. Oh, Salah. Yeah, he struggles about Mane, bless his cottons. Well, no, but to be fair to him, how long can you perform at such an outstanding level before you have to, you have a dip in form? You can't do it forever. I saw one Liverpool fan, or claimed to be Liverpool fan, actually say to me on Twitter that Salah has not been the best in the world for the last few years. And I was just like, are you sure? What crack have you been smoking? The Bruyne has been. Still, I, I would agree with him, but only to say that De Bruyne, I'd give it to De Bruyne for at least the last three years. But Salah's up there. But He's probably I was going to say, you can't deny that Salah's not been world-class for the last 
But then I think Sadio Mane was also horrendously underrated. Yes, but I think he only moved for money, let's be honest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If if Liverpool had offered him the deal he wanted, which was about 400 grand a week, then he would have stayed at Liverpool, let's be real. Indeed. So I think we'll finish on the Liverpool topic there. So on to our final topic before we head on to our game that we slightly adjusted for this week. For those that haven't seen, or you probably will know by now, Jordan Pickford is injured. And Everton said he'll miss the upcoming international break. We'll be back just after. But obviously that opens up for England. They play, I think it's Italy and Germany, I think, coming up. That might be wrong. But I'm pretty sure it's Italy and Germany. What is it, Nations League? Yeah, so it's either two of Italy, Germany or Holland. So that opens up. Who's going to be England's number one with two really informed English keepers right now in Henderson and Pope? You're forgetting one. Am I? Yeah. Who? Aaron Ramsdale. Oh, yeah. Three informing England goalkeepers. Three very good England goalkeepers with three very it good is choices in Germany, to make. That's why I was I mean, surprised when you spoke about it earlier. You were like, it's got to be between Pope or Henderson. And I was like, I'm going to wait for the podcast about Aaron Ramsdale. Do this one. Yeah. But he's, yeah, I mean, now you've said it, it, it I'd pick Aaron Ramsdale. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's why. That's what I was like. I'm going to wait for the podcast to drop on this one so that I can have this conversation with him. Because why would you put either of the other two in when you've got Aaron Ramsdale waiting there? Who's? I mean, they're the free keepers in the squad. <laughs> top of top of the table, you know. Has the squad been they're, announced? No, but they're, they're going to be in it. They're going to be the, in it. The rumor this morning was Henderson comes in for Hope. Uh, comes in for Pickford. Eric Diaz coming in for Maguire. And there was another one, and I can't. Do you honestly think is. he's going to drop Maguire? Yeah, honestly? no. This, I well, I don't. But this is what the this kind of report was saying that Maguire's going to be dropped, or yeah, yeah, was going to come in. For me, it's Ramsdale. I'm a big fan of Henderson, as you know, being a Man United fan, and his performances for Sheffield United. Never mentioned it. I've never <laughs> mentioned it before on this podcast, but he's only had a couple of decent games for Forest, so... I think Pope's bloody good at Newcastle, by the way. Yes. Which, I mean, I'm surprised back because he's a good keeper, but he has looked really good. Nick but Pope you're is, right, no one... He's a very good no goalkeeper. No one Ramsdale. Yeah. Aaron Ramsdale. I mean, Ramsdale is a Pickford, probably. But this but... goes back to my previous rant about Gareth Southgate not starting other goalkeepers and always playing Pickford. He occasionally throws in Pope, but it's very occasionally. Yeah, but th- there's no point. If we're playing friendlies or the, what's it called? The Conference League or whatever it is. Nation League, yeah. The Nation League. I have a feeling we'll see one keeper against Italy and a different one against Germany. Yeah, but you don't want to do that. Let's be honest. If Gareth Southgate had done his job properly, then he would have had Pickford in for the Euro qualifiers and the World Cup qualifiers. And he would have used the Conference Nations League or Two Bob Cup, whatever it's called, to give uh, another well, goalkeeper two or three games in a row to see if they can stick up to the metal. So you play them yeah, against a couple did. of crack teams. So far in the Nations League. Yes. Are you sure? Pickford played, Pickford played against Hungary. Right. And Pope played against Germany and Italy. Right. Okay. But so, over, but before over that, rain, you're right. Yeah, that's over when, his reign, he's not done that. The only game he normally makes a change is that when we play Monaco, which all like Monaco is that even a? That's not a team. When we play like Malta, uh, Malta or San Marino, then he he still picks Jordan Pickford, and this that no. Yeah. So that's when he picks Henderson. 
And it's like, why? They're but that's gonna, no good. They're not going to learn learning. anything. And you're not you, learning. you also need to know whether they can do it against the top teams. And you're not going to find that out when they're playing Azerbaijan. But hopefully, I think I have a feeling Ramsdale plays one and Hope plays the other. No, you reckon? I would play Aaron Ramsdale in both. I'm sorry, I genuinely would. I, mean, I would give him both games and probably a couple more to find out if he can do it against the big boys. Well, the next the next game after the Germany game is the World Cup, so it'll be a warm up friendlies, and I think he'll probably try to keep Pickford in goal if he chooses Pickford as his one, which he probably will. Yeah, he's not going to drop Pickford. We, we've both agreed there's not going to be many changes to the squad. Yeah, I think two or three. I mean, I do. I genuinely believe that there's going to be someone different up front. Maybe Rashford gets back in, or Sa- I mean, Sancho should be back in for sure, but not for sure, as in for S U R E, not the fat left back at Man United. Although he might make it in the squad as well, just because. No, actually, no. He'll pick his five right backs, won't he? He'll pick Chilwell and. Trippier and Reese James and Trent and Carl Walker and the other right backs that might get a shout. Reese James, a- Ashley Young, maybe. I don't know. Oh, that's it. It's Trent. It's hey, normally Cash. Trent. Trent. He's Polish. Oh yeah, he's played for Poland now, isn't he? Scored um, for Poland as well. There's nobody off the top of my head I can think about because Jed that's Spence it. doesn't seem to be playing for too young. Wambasaka's um, committed to Congo. Although he's he? not in the Man United team at the minute, yeah. Okay, I haven't heard Although that. Although he's not in the Man United team, so it doesn't make is a difference. Is he in the Congo squad? Does he play for Congo? I don't think he's played for them yet, but I think he's kind of admit started the paperwork with FIFA. I mean, Aaron Ramsdale, I'm just looking now on Wikipedia. According to this, he's only played three times for England. Yeah, one was in... Uh, debut... He made his debut against... San Marino. Yeah, and his second cap was just before the Euros against was it Romania? I want to say he I do remember caps than that. I'm sorry, we does. know what Pickford can do. We know he can be relied upon. So it's time to test somebody else. Speaking of it's time to test, shall we move on to our game? Yes, we shall. I've come fully prepared. So a slight adaption this week. Obviously in previous weeks we've done players and we've got to guess the club well this week we've spun it around so we've got three players each we're going to list the clubs that they've played for and the other one's got to try and guess the player now this this is harder so i'll go first this player started his career at manchester united okay wigan right newcastle united blackburn rovers leicester city sheffield united charlton athletic Bradford City, and then after that, non-league, so we'll stop there. Manchester United, Wigan, Blackburn Rovers. No, no, Newcastle, Blackburn Rovers. Newcastle, Blackburn Rovers. Leicester, Sheffield United, Charlton Athletic, and Bradford. Bradford. Well, no, the year he debuted, was that cheating? This is not going to be right, but... My mind instantly thinks Michael Stewart. It's not, not Michael Stewart, correct. no. It's not going to be Darren Gibson. Might never have Charlton. <laughs> Thank God um, for that. I'm trying to think of Man United yeah. players that play for Charlton. You've got Stewart. You've got David Petruzzi. Oh, dear Lord. Chris Eagles? No. Um, oh, this, this is a hard game. 
this this is generally hard. Chris Eagles has played for. Do you want a clue? Oh, go on then. You made eighty six appearances for Northern Ireland. For Northern, okay. Played for Charlton, Northern Ireland. Cor- I've got no, one more clue as well. Corey Evans. No, no, it's not going to be Johnny Evans either. Northern right, Irish. okay. So your last clue, I'll give you two clues. You made his Manchester United debut in 1993. 1993? Northern Irish, 1993. This is a Keith Gillespie. <laughs> Keith Gillespie, yeah. When did he play for Cheltenham? We got him on loan for United in 2008. I actually quite oh, liked that's him, what but he got yeah. I never realised Keith Gillespie played for Charlton. Yeah, briefly. Uh, okay. Oh shit, he weren't too bad, to be fair. Right, but you're up. Let's give you uh, one. <laughs> My next one's a complete fucker. Right. You might this, get it, though. This one difficult. I think you might get. Go on. Really quickly, but I'll give it a go. Wimbledon. Right. Tottenham Hotspur. Yep. Charlton. West Brom, Luton Town, and Southampton. Wimbledon, Wimbledon to Tottenham. Mm-hmm. And then Tottenham to Charlton. Then after who from Charlton? West Bromwich Albion. Wimbledon. And not AFC, it would have been Wimbledon, Wimbledon. Yes, he started his career there. Oh, is it Chris Perry? It is Chris Perry, yeah. I thought you'd like that one because I know how much you love Chris Perry. <laughs> I, knew it, I forgot that he was at Wimbledon. I was like, who the fuck was Tottenham? Chris Perry was at Wimbledon, yeah. Didn't know he played for Luton. Yeah, towards <laughs> the end of his career. All right. I've done fuckers, so I apologise in advance. No, that's fine. This one. So he started his career at Vergy Bud Club. Never heard of that. Went to Hamburg. Ooh. Everton. Right. Real Madrid. Celtic. Is that it, yeah? Yep. So he went from Everton to Real Madrid to Celtic. Yes. It's going to be Thomas Gravison, isn't it? <laughs> I right. love Thomas Gravison. Do I go for the easier one or the harder one? Right, I'll go for the harder one. I think I, I, think I started with the hardest one. This one might be really difficult for you, but I thought I'd do a really hard one just in case. I think this one was more for Pete, but never mind. Nantes, Marseille, AC Milan, Chelsea, Al Giraffa, and Qatar SC. Nantes, AC Milan. Nantes, Marseille, AC Milan, Chelsea, Al Giraffa. Nantes as in N A N T S. Yeah, and Qatar SC. More to AC Milan to Chelsea. And after Chelsea went to Al Jafar, whatever it was. Yeah. Fuck it now. You want a clue? Yeah. It's Marc Alessian. No, it's not. Bollocks. The clue is he's French. Oh yeah, that one should have written. He's French. Uh the only Frenchman that's coming to mind. Not Florin Maluda, is it? No. French. I'll give you a second clue. Go on. He's a World Cup winner. 
Marcel Desailly. Yes. <laughs> at first, I thought Petit, and I thought, no, he's at Arsenal, wasn't he, for a while? Before he was at Chelsea. Go on, then. Give me your third. Right. Okay. Started at PSV. Right. Went to Barcelona. Okay. Chelsea. Right. Middlesbrough. Liverpool. Marseille. And Sunderland. Right, sorry, read that one again for me. PSV. Started at, started at PSV. Went to Barcelona. Yep. Then Chelsea. Went to Chelsea. Middlesbrough. Then to Middlesbrough. Liverpool. Then to Liverpool. Marseille. And then off to Marseille. And then his career at Sunderland. Finished his career at Sunderland. And he started in Holland. That's a bit of a trek around the world. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the tour. Europe, anyway. Um, Would you like a clue? Bodovin Zenden? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> it was the only one I could think of that was the link between Liverpool and PSV. I was like, who the fuck? And then I remembered he played for Sunderland. I was just like, okay. Right. Are you ready? I'll give you my yes. last one. Well, I think so. Right. Sporting CP. Manchester United, Fenerbahce, Valencia, Lazio, Orlando City. Nani. Yeah, Venezia and then Milan. <laughs> Where is he now? I think he's in America at the moment, last I heard. Speaking of former Manchester United players who are in America, did you see Chicorito's penalty? So I laughed my balls off. Oh, 2-2 two, two. in the final few minutes of the game that he, they needed to win. And he went for a, a Penenka straight into the goalkeeper's hands. Dick. Holy moly. Honest to God. Yeah, I mean, if you're doing that in the last minute, you are you are rebelling. So, I think that comes to the end of today's Football Funders. So, Ryan, thank you so much for joining me. You're very welcome. And we'll end how we begun, just because I found a nice little poem that someone's put, and I was going to read the first thing. Obviously, the Queen died today. It said, Philip came to me today and said it was time to go. I looked at him and smiled and whispered, I know. So, again, as we started the podcast, we'll say, rest in peace to Queen Elizabeth and long live the King.